0: Everyone got one, what's your
1: opinion? This is the ramp Room, tongues won't be bit. Ain't no rules, just spill it, and anybody can get it No limit, we get to kill it, You tuning into the thrillers And no, ain't no stopping,
2: no. any topic,
0: even the random we
2: get so the I
0: hope that you ready We entering in the zone soon, we only grown shit Welcome to the Ram oh, That's it, that's all I
1: got to say
0: Yo, what's up y'all? Hilliard guest here with the all-new Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what K.V.Cav one hundred one hundred. <laughs> <I> listen. Okay, <laughs> listeners, y'all should have heard that lollygagging ass. <laughs> that's a funny ass shit. So, Trip, what we do here on the Rant Room, we we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but we always comes down to what screenwriting that's my thing right there um so just gotta let you guys know one little thing my girl lisa lisa colt jam we call her the aka the street nerdist um she is on a book tour so y'all need to cop her check her see what she's doing out there she's all over the place man she's got this sci-fi or horror shit she's doing off the chain um and again i'm your host hilliard guess and uh so if you are grown let's get it in <laughs> I love saying that shit <laughs> So check it today I got some real special guests on the show today um, Today sitting in for Lisa I got my cousin, I'm sorry my nephew um, Kevy Kev A.K.A. Kevin Hates Hip Hop I know you guys hear the podcast Check me
3: out on iTunes, Kevin Hates Hip Hop <laughs> He
0: only promotes this Stitcher too <laughs> <laughs> I got my boy Kev here, and uh, check it out, guys. We got a very, very good one for you guys. My man, my favorite podcaster out there. I'm about to get teary-eyed and shit. My man, (laughs) Mick Betancourt from the Mick Bettencourt Show, y'all. Who, 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 who? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Hey, what's up, Mick? How you doing,
1: buddy? I'm good, man. Happy to be here. And I'm a fan of your podcast as well. thank you, man. Thank you. That's why I joined in for the
0: 100. (laughs) 100. Y'all see that? See that? That's love right there. That's love right there. So, first of all, I just need to gush to my man, and court before we get into the show now as you heard me say you guys he has my favorite podcast now when i first briefly kind of met you you probably don't remember i met you at the writer's guild oh yeah yeah and i was sitting in the front row yep. uh they did this really kick-ass little panel and um the next week i ended up on my i think it was episode five of my previous show i did a whole thing about Podcasting Based off the shit I learned from you guys Oh cool Yeah cause you know what I mean Cause I know you're all about Giving to everybody Yeah So my whole thing is too So I'm like well If I'm gonna be podcasting I gotta give them some game too So I went down the list Cause you went down the list Of things motherfuckers Need to know <laughs> to, to make their podcast Better didn't I and uh, it helped both of us You know yeah, what I mean That's awesome And man. I've heard from So many other young pop- podcasters going Dude I didn't know I needed to do that I didn't know I needed to do that I was like I didn't know either To Mick fucking said uh, it You know <laughs> what I saying? Mean? So little shit That I learned That just made it So much better um, But one of the things That I love about you Mick Is Every single, me and Kevin, do we not? Every single episode, I call Kevin. (laughs) Kevin, did you listen to this last show? Don't know. Definitely, man. Every single episode. The first show that we ever heard was the one um, with um, Maranzio Vance. Yeah. Dude, that show. (laughs) I know it registered for Kev because Kev has a very similar story in the sense of um, the way he did his PR and all that stuff and how he kind of fell out of love with it for a little while mm-hmm. yeah. and he had to kind of find himself and he started going to the beach and taking care of it. He lost all kind of weight, like all this type of shit. You can tell him, Kev.
3: Yeah, man. It was Mariano. What's his name? Yeah. Moranzio uh, Vance. Moranzio Mar- Vance. Mar- Maranzio Vance was the first one I heard. And uh, I remember you had went to the Guild mm-hmm. and you had seen him speak. But it was more or less when I heard him talk about how he was going through so much shit you know in comedy, and he was doing all these things for Kevin Hart or whatever. I went through the same thing in hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I was putting a lot of people making them really, really rich, and in t- about two years ago, I fell in love with it. And I had a buddy of mine that coined. Kevin hates hip hop. He works for this site called Hip Hop DX. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my man, Justin uh, Hunt.
0: <laughs> He's um, always got to shout out to <laughs> Got to
3: shout him out, man. What up, yeah. Justin? <laughs> <laughs> Jay Dog. <laughs> but, anyways, man, it was like just hearing him talk about how he started getting more in tune with nature and going out and hiking. And these are things I never thought I would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never thought I would hike. But I go every fucking day. He does. I'm at Griffith Park every morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it works. So, yeah, man. It's like church for me. I don't how go to much, church. How it's much my weight sanctuary. do you
0: lost so far? You lost hella weight, did you? Shit, like 60 pounds.
1: That's Fuck, what I'm saying. Man. That's amazing, yeah. man. 60 pounds. Because,
0: man, you lost some weight, too, in the last year or two, right? You lost yeah, 20, right?
1: Yeah, 26. But then I've been at the gym in, like, three weeks. <laughs> and <laughs> now it's funny how you... Yeah, we, we're, you know, if we're talking about it, like, my mind already has reverted back to... Stay on easy street. You mm-hmm. don't need to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Figure out an easier, softer way. There isn't an easier, softer way. You got to do work. Right. That's it. Right. You either fucking go, and you know, Definitely. if you bring your body, your mind will follow. True. Like I keep trying to trick myself that somehow, and motivation is great, but it's going to stop. Yeah. At a certain point, the, it just dissipates, and that excitement True. and, the, and the, the beginning of something will go away. And then you find yourself in the middle where you either have to just go, I have well, to be uncomfortable and not like this and still do the work. Yeah. Because it's about getting the result that you want. True. Well, it's funny because that
0: that kind of translates to anything you do. But yes. it's funny though, just talking about taking care of yourself. Because I'm I'm not a gym rat, but I go to the gym. You're almost a gym rat, every- dude. Fuck, like, I ain't no gym rat. You. I mean, you know what it is. <laughs> I it's, go. No, you know what it. No, it
3: is. It's not so much a gym rat. You. You're consistent as fuck.
0: Well, like kid, I'm a Virgo too, as he is too. Yeah. By the way, happy belated birthday, oh, Mr. Making. Mc- oh, happy belated. Yeah. yeah, man. He just turned a big four out.
1: Four zero, 0 He man. old as fuck now. Look at it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I love I love being a fucking. Like, I'm
0: gonna be 44 this year. So, oh, that's great. You know what I mean? I feel you. Um but look, let's let, let's let's just get into this. A trip. I am like, like I said, a huge fan of yours. Here's here's what you do that nobody fucking does. And I'm gonna have a hard time not getting emotional because my man just brings that out on me. <laughs> this is real though. Yeah, yeah. On, on the real talk. You Every fucking episode you do, at some don't we talk about this often? At yeah. some point, somebody says like that. They, they at least sound like they're almost about to cry. Yeah. At some point, specifically the one that really drew me in the most, and there's been like fucking out of the forty something you've done, ten of them have taken me. I've been like here at times. The one with Moranzi. How do you say his name? Moranzi Ovan. For, yeah. Forgive me. Um, there's something about some of the things that he was talking about. And he would, like, stop in the middle and, like, look at you. I could just tell him, be like, dude. Yeah. You motherfucking movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was just like, and I could see myself there, you know? And it was like one of those episodes, and there would have been many, where I wished I was there. So I added this new thing on my new show where um, I started the new Baby Writer's Seat, where – it's no longer wanting to be the fly on the wall, motherfucker. You come be, you can come sit, oh, that's listen cool. to us, get it in. Yeah, you know what I mean. And now people are hitting me all the time. Can I come? Can I come? Can I come? Yeah, you know, just because I know other people would want to do that. You know, they want to be the fly on over. The they want to sit in that room. You know, you, you hear concert. Like God, I wish I was at that concert. Yeah, I wish I heard that podcast. You know what I mean? So you one of those dudes for me. And I, I'm a podcast head, but your show, I don't miss a show. You know, so I just had to give you. That. I had to gush. Thanks, You man. know what I mean? That I was, was
1: th- this is the first week too that I missed an episode. I don't know when this is gonna air, but I, mm-hmm. I was trying to get through a year and I had some audio issues. You didn't like, put one out this week? No, you know nah, what I do? I take run. my ring I like this I and I, I click it on my one. hand, hmm. huh. but I I don't have mic stands like you guys oh, okay. have. So okay. I was holding the mic and flipping the ring thinking that because I wasn't clicking it on the actual mic, okay. but oh, shit. it was picking up like the thump of it. Yeah and we're having a hard time
0: uh, throughout the whole thing.
1: Throughout most of it, and oh, it was a departure from the other episodes they have because you talk about people really getting real. Yeah, like man. This this was the first. I'm going to be doing a series of anonymous guests. Oh really? Under, really? Undercover narcotics agents, uh, high ranking oh, wow. gang members that can't ah, use their real names. Oh that. shit. But this was a guy That's whose deep shit, man. whose dad was uh, whose dad is gay. Mm-hmm but hasn't come out of the closet. Oh, and so he wanted to do this anonymously to, oh, wow. so as to not yeah. negatively impact his dad's life. Oh, but wow. his, they grew up in a college town. His dad was a teacher. Mm. It was supposedly this community where everyone was supposed to be really open-minded. Mm.
3: Small-town middle America. Yeah, middle
1: America. Yeah. And how... He his adolescence where he wanted to rebel against his dad, but then he knew something was different about his dad, and then he finally confronted him, and then his his dad admitted it to him, so then they Ah. had this thing, so I'm trying to fucking get this up, Mm -hmm. because he's a uh, comedian and an actor, but it's really about being your relationship with your father, and about who you are as a man, and what you're willing to accept, letting go of old ideas coming from a town, you know, where, where... obviously his dad didn't even feel comfortable being who he was so Mm -hmm. that was the culture that he grew up in so I'm interested in telling those kind of stories because look anybody that's an artist or doing anything like a lot of the people that listen to the show Mm -hmm. aren't striving to be writers they're not striving to be directors they're you know, maybe they're at work and they, they want to go, well, how can I get promoted to the next level? Or, you know, I've always had this dream, like one, an example I use, a guy I always wanted to open a little garage, which I love mm-hmm. cars, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he saved up enough money, got a small business loan, mm-hmm. and they opened a two-bay shop. That's, That's cool. cool. The yeah. guy won his whole fucking life, you know? Yeah. So, like, when I hear stories like that, mm-hmm. it's fucking the best. That's I never cool. could have imagined it when I said, well, I'm just going to do the show and try to basically put a show out that would... For the 14 year old me that felt like he never got the rule book, Mm -hmm. you know, of just how to live life on life's terms. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional house, but, you know, what I'm learning is, yeah, you're What I'm learning is, we're all the same fucking person. Sure. That's the big joke of the entire world. Like, maybe your circumstances are harder than mine or not Mm -hmm. as hard. Doesn't matter. We have the same fears, the same love, the Mm -hmm. same passions. And that's the same true. obstacles that we have, and we, we all think, oh, man, it's, it's me against the world. Mm-hmm. No, it's not, man. It's mm-hmm. you against yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad you Damn. said that
0: because the other part of my gush, and we'll get into the show. Motherfuckers, y'all just got to listen to the gush for a second. <laughs> but, Trip, my other part of the gush is that's the other thing I love about your show. Is and Kevin, and I've talked about this many times too, which is why I'm glad you're the you're the guest on the show. Love you, Lisa, but I'm glad you're the guest on the show today, just today. <laughs> peace so out, peace to Lisa. You know, I mean, we love Lisa. Justin, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa we I'm to bring
1: it. Justin back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is what I love is how you give props to like new businesses and all that stuff like that, or existing businesses, smaller businesses, that tells me a lot about your working class background. That's just amazing, You know what though. I mean? Yeah, man. Seriously. You know,
3: I've heard nobody do that before. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nobody.
3: Nobody. You know what I exactly.
0: mean? I mean, my fucking <laughs> we ain't even doing this shit. I'm just going to be real. Right. <laughs> so, trip, because for me, the reason why I started this podcast and the previous one was, um, like, I teach at the Writers Guild and a bunch of other places. I wanted a venue where I could be more me. Mm-hmm. Usually when I teach, i got to watch what I say. Sure. i got to do whatever. I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to have a potty mouth. I need to yeah. be able to just go in and give people, you know, information on shit that I have learned from my point of view. Like, when I teach, I teach you about shit that I've done. Yeah. I say I had a meeting at this producer. Here's where I fucked up. You know uh, what I mean? I teach you from my point of view mm-hmm. of where I'm trying to get. You know what I mean? So you can learn and not make those fucking mistakes, which is, I like, know what you do. Sure. You know what I mean? So that's the last part of my guts. So I just had to. <laughs> well, cool, I man, could keep going, it. motherfucker, the whole show. I would
3: just, I'll tell you <laughs> this, man. The Mariano episode, uh, yeah. first time I heard that was two months ago. Mm-hmm. And this was before I even launched Kevin Hates the Bop again. I was on another network previously mm-hmm. with uh, my uncle. But um, there was a lot of game that he told me about that you were talking about at the guild. Mm-hmm. And when I heard it, it was just real. You know what I mean? And you know on podcasts, you get a lot of ass kissing mm-hmm. and all that bullshit. But yeah. yours is very, very honest. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I listen every fucking week. Thanks, man. Every I week. I tell
1: man. guests when they come on, I go, we're going to, we're gonna. it's not a, we're not going to bullshit. I mean, we can a little bit and that's fine. Sure. But it's, and I'm going to also trade horses with you. So you don't feel like it's an interrogation sure. or that you're having some therapy session with me we're going to actually get into some stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, but I'm never going to put you on the spot. I, and if we do, I'll be sitting right next to you if you feel like you're on the spot. Like, I'll be telling you similar experiences that are mm-hmm. vulnerable because I think there's, this, especially in a town like L.A., you know, where you feel like you got to be macho mm-hmm. or, you know, there's, a, there's mm-hmm. a certain wisdom that comes with getting older, which I truly cherish, you know, mm-hmm. of just being a, a, a 40-year-old guy. Like, sure. I don't hide from that. I, I don't. If you gave me fucking $5 million and said you're going to be 16. I'll give you $5 million if you'll be 16 again. I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. (laughs) There's no way, man. Being young almost fucking killed me. And I think a lot of people don't... They they look at young people like they're foolish because they Mm -hmm. are. They're Mm -hmm. fucking young. They don't have wisdom yet. They have hormones pumping Mm -hmm. through their bodies that are fucking driving them. Right. They say, what are you nuts? Yes. The psychology of youth too. Your brain is is redeveloping and there's sure. cortexes that have separated. I mean, I'm fucking up the science, but it's a legitimate <laughs> fucking thing. You know what I mean? You yeah. have to be patient. Do you want young men and women to grow into responsible kind tolerant adults sure. where they can fully recognize and realize their talents mm-hmm. If that's, you have to let someone fail you have to let, give them the dignity of their it's own true. experience okay. they're going to fuck up, it's part of being a human being right. let them do it, then say if you could do it over again, what would you do different instead of being like, you fucking idiot that's how totally the right. fuck could you do that right. no, yeah, 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 yeah. alright, let's sit down for a moment yeah. let's get quiet, alright, are we centered mm-hmm. alright, you did that, that's fine Admit some of the shit you did. Don't pretend it never fucking happened. Mm-hmm. So right. they go, all right, cool, thank God I'm not alone. I'm not yeah. ashamed of this, yeah. you know. And then go, all right, well, what would you do different if you could do it over again? Oh, okay. Now there's some compassion mm-hmm. and there's some understanding. I don't know, man. I could go on. For- I just it <laughs> well, drives me nuts, though. man, when people aren't patient with that shit. It, it really it's does. funny you talk about being wow. 16,
0: and and every time I think about being like 16 again, I think about you know like my my mod punk rock days and all that shit like that, and and how. Like where I am now, you know, the money I have now, the lifestyle I have now, the scooters I would have, you know what I mean? <laughs> I go there with it when I think about, damn, if I did, I was killing them then. Imagine what I'd be doing now, yeah. you know, well, what yeah. I know now. Yeah. It's very funny, you know, I always think about it that way. Um, let's talk about Tifa for a second. Yes. You Institute know what I mean? Institute
1: for advanced hustle. Yeah. For <laughs> for for, for you listeners,
0: listeners who don't know. For you listeners who don't know, pretty much all my listeners who listen know I know about you, Mick, because I always talk about you, Mick. And um is how'd you come up with that name? What's that about?
1: It was a, a riff. Like we were just sitting across from somebody mm-hmm. and um we were talking about the hustle muscle and then it mm-hmm. just came out. This is sitting in the Institute for Advanced Hustle. <laughs> and and then it better. just kind of fucking you know. Because it tells Stick me a on. lot
0: about you You know what I mean N- Number one the, the fact that you use the hustle muscle Yeah But then you come out with The Institute, <laughs> the Institute of Advanced Hustle Tells me a lot about you too Because it's taking it In a positive thing Because Kev what Was that your last episode Or the episode before Was about the difference Between a hustler And the entrepreneur
3: Oh that was like uh, <clears throat> I think that was about Two weeks ago Yeah Yeah Saw so iTunes Stitcher <laughs> Check it so out. Kev
2: did Shout out to
0: Justin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kev did this episode on, on uh on his show where he talked about the difference between the entrepreneur and the hustler, which is something you indirectly talk about a lot yeah. with some of your guests all the time. About even the way you talk about using the hustle muscle is not in a negative connotation. It's about using it in a positive way about the things you learn, whether it be on the street or whatever, but you turn it into a positive thing. Yeah. You know, talk about the hustle muscle a little bit, if well, you Well,
1: I think, you know, you have to – I use an example called what's, what's day 67 look like. Ah. This is an, – and I teach as well. So yeah. when uh, – I say, when you first start out, first off, you think, I'm so fucking excited. Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write a script, man. I'm going to mm-hmm. be an actor. I'm, whatever it is. I'll use a creative example because that's mm-hmm. the field that I'm in, sure. right? Right. So let's say writing. Man, I got this great idea for a script. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it, and I see the characters, and I see the world, and I'm going to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Man, day one is like a rocket ship ride. <laughs> oh, I can't. I wish it never ended. I worked 20 mm-hmm. hours mm-hmm. day one. Wow, mm-hmm. the first right. week. Now shit starting to shape up. What's day sixty-seven look like? What's day sixty-seven look like when? (laughs) Why did I start this thing again? What's going? Fuck it! it looks a little hopeless. Right. The enthusiasm, the motivation is gone. There's a great Muhammad Ali quote where he says, "You know," and then I'm going to botch it a little bit. And I, it's funny because I just got this poster for Tifa. Mm -hmm. Is um, you know, the will. It has to be a combination of the will and the skill, but the skill must outlast the will. Interesting. Huh. Because it. Day 67, you're not going to want to sit down in front of the typewriter. You're not going to want, because then it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. It becomes. Second nature. Yeah. It's just, it's a thing. It's work now. Mm -hmm. It's just work. Whereas before it was opportunity. It was excitement. It was wish fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about, I'm going to get scooters, man. I'm going to sell this movie. I'm going to win an award. I'm going to. All the other things outside of the work. Definitely that take away from the work. Yeah. So I always say day 67, you got to have, it's hustle muscle. you got to put hustle muscle on it. You get up, like you go to the gym. Mm-hmm. You, there's going to come a time where you're not going to want to go to the gym. you got to go anyway. Mm-hmm. To me, that's yeah. hustle muscle. Mm-hmm. Anybody can be enthusiastic and excited about an idea, and everyone starts the best sure. screenplay. Everyone starts the great American novel. Mm-hmm. But yeah. 99.9% of people will never finish. True. That's
3: true. I'm writing a book right now, and it's day 100 and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> how you counting, Cam? <laughs> how you count? Yeah, yeah it's, 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 uh, it's like, it's, like uh, it's really like I kind of see it the same way how I did last summer when I changed my lifestyle. Um, when I just said, you know what? Fuck this. I don't mm-hmm. want to be big anymore. I don't want to drink anymore as much as I did. And I just said, I'm going to take 90 days, be clean. I lost 75 pounds Fuck. in like Damn. almost three, four months. So I kind of see everything in my life like that now Like I see it as like, you know, the book, I need to do this Sometimes I don't feel like doing it But I always make sure I get a thousand words a week That's all I make sure to do
0: A words a week? That's a lot, dude So,
3: I mean, realistically, it's only about five pages
0: Yeah, I was about to say, it's like five pages in a script if you think about it But still, I know motherfuckers who can't write five pages in a fucking week you, know, you as a writer, which it, I'm like, you, know you want to do too? TV? Yeah. <laughs> you oh, can forget, forget it. it you, know what I, you know what it is, too, I
3: get inspiration from? I <laughs> read a shit ton of books. Mm-hmm. And even if I don't write for the book, I try to write journal entry, yeah. something, yeah. you know. Let me write a haiku, something different, just to keep mm-hmm. the muscle going, like you said, the hustle Definitely. muscle. So it's the same thing.
1: Definitely. You have to give yourself the freedom to fail. You have to give yourself, internally, um, you have to allow yourself to look bad. Mm-hmm. You have to sure. allow yourself to hurt. Mm-hmm. You have to allow yourself to be nervous, scared, intimidated, and still do the work. Sure. So I think a lot of, there's this weird, everyone thinks perfectionism uh, is a driving force towards success and accomplishing things. Where actually, it's the exact opposite. If you know somebody that's a perfectionist and mm-hmm. they do accomplish things, it's in spite of the perfectionism. Oh, okay. Because what happens is, you have an idea of what the book should be in your example right, right? Sure. and so it becomes so clear and so concise in your head and you can really feel it like in down to your cellular level you know what it is mm-hmm. and then it becomes so perfect in your mind that your are daily work doesn't match up to this ideal that your perfectionism has created for it so now it starts to become a little overwhelming and then it starts to become disappointing then it starts to become depressing Mm -hmm. and then you gotta just fuck it cause why the fuck am I no Mm -hmm. no this is nothing like I'm and it's really um, I don't wanna use the word mental illness but it's I think it's a powerful destructive force that a lot of people have. I certainly sure, have it. Sure. So you have to do work in spite of that, oh, and shit. just go, man. I have to allow. I have to lower the bar, which seems totally counterintuitive to how you should approach work. Okay, man. I have to set the bar high. No, because if you, you, all you have to do is look at the facts, if setting the bar super high right. and you're not productive and you're not getting the work done that you need, all right. Well, you you gotta. You got to come clear with what's, what the facts are And what sure. the situation is Lower the bar Hit it a few times Lower the bar. Get the joy right. of that <laughs> And then raise it up mm-hmm. But I, I in my own experience Have set the bar so high And have these ideas That mm-hmm. shows things I want to do mm-hmm. I get totally overwhelmed I just fucking shut down yeah. But now yeah. I have a little perspective to go Oh that's what's happening Right But until I knew what that was It was fucking paralyzing creatively huh. And just getting work done
3: I've never heard anyone Put it that way before you know, because everybody they always have this. You know, let me start from zero to, and then in two months I'll be at a hundred. Yeah, even though it takes two years to get to that
2: point. Well, you yeah. talk,
0: you talk about how, and I'm sure you do too, Mick. Is is uh, like he gets a lot of young hip hop artists, you know, hitting him up to do PR for him. And they all like, dude, can you get me on the cover of Spin magazine or Twitter? whatever the fuck tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they that's that's anything. one of the
3: reasons why it's Kevin hates hip hop. That's exactly. <laughs> that's honestly, that's one of the reasons why. Because I was just like, you know, I had to realize too. I'm 29, but at the end of the day, I feel a lot older than I really am. And you know, a lot of cats my age and younger, they have this whole microwave. You know, oh, I will pay you to be my publicist, and I'll be, you know, on MTV tomorrow. Yeah, it's like, dude. No. Two
0: a lot of my artists I had million. for two...
3: Yeah, a lot of my artists I had that got on MTV and B T and all that shit, three years. Mm-hmm. Two, three years. Yeah.
0: Making no money.
3: No money. Yeah. No money. Shit, my first two and a half years of business, I wasn't making shit. Mm-hmm. I moved down here with, what, $1,500? dollars mm-hmm. And I turned that into a few hundred thousand in a no matter of six, seven months. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. It's just like, I, I've learned as I've gotten older, and like I said, it's weird saying this because I'm only 29, but... You got to be patient. And the main thing is you have to be consistent. Definitely. Yeah. A lot of shit in my life I wasn't consistent with. I wasn't consistent with. But last summer I was just like, fuck this, dude. I got to be more positive. I got to let all the cynicism go. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, So
0: okay, Since we're talking about that, let's, 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 let's go back to Chicago for a second. Sure. So you
1: from Chicago, <laughs> yeah. Chi-Town. You Bears right? fan? Huh?
3: You a Bears fan? Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs>
2: Blackhawks, too?
1: Yeah, I like the Hawks. I like the Cubs because I hate okay. watching baseball in November. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: this works out pretty good. <laughs> that's Because
0: that's a bad season. Is it yeah, was... well,
1: you don't have to worry about the playoffs or the World Series like other baseball go, right? teams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Trev,
0: so you're from Chicago. I yeah. want to talk about um, there have been a couple of pivotal moments you've, moments you've mentioned. I've heard over different shows you've done. And You talked about being seven growing up and – with your dad, yeah. um, in the black family. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, what was yeah. that like?
1: The, was, if you, what you remember, of course. Yeah. You know I mean, it was crazy. It was, um, a lot of music, a lot of narcotics
2: of
1: tower of power Kid <laughs> Function, parliament. <laughs> oh shit. Just, um, like, shit. cocaine with <laughs> a dash of heroin. <laughs> That's and, um, you know, I didn't speak, I'm Irish and Puerto Rican yeah. and I didn't speak, uh, uh, Puerto Rican. So mm-hmm. I just hung out with Tyrone, Dude, Bebe where the three kids we he <laughs> Tyrone,
0: Dude, and Bebe. Every dude, fucking hood has got those three motherfuckers. That's out. true. Like, that is true.
3: I grew up with three of them. And shit. I was
1: like uh, Steve Martin and the jerk. Like I was like, what? I'm not black? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Are you for real? That's hilarious. And uh, yeah, I mean it was that was just where I grew up. That was and then we moved to Peoria for a minute and because mm-hmm. um, my dad was always looking for work. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a high. Sc- he had to drop out of high school. Were, my parents were 16 17 when I was born to just oh, take care of me. You know, so you want to talk about someone being kids. young Jeez, and f- and feeling, yeah. you know, like the weight of the world on his shoulders and having forced him to grow up right. a lot sooner. True. And you know, he didn't really have the the it was hood shit. You know, like there was no his dad was fucked up. Yes. His right. father's father was fucked up. Mm-hmm. So there was no, hey, what do you do when you know your son? Uh, you, you look at your son and you get. Terrified, because mm. you don't know. The did you feel that way? Did you? What did you do? Who did you talk to about that? Like, how right. did you save for college for your mm-hmm. kids? Did you? Oh, never mind. You're doing cocaine right now. I'll get back to you in a minute. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> so, like, you know those those.
0: Plus, starting to Plus, you were dealing with. <laughs> cause I heard you say something about the the. You guys were Puerto Rican, like you live in a black neighborhood. Yeah. Now, Chicago, as we know, I don't know what it is now, but I know it was hella segregated. It's hyper-segregated. Still, so probably, probably. I'm sure. a
1: science word for it now. It's, it's we'll beyond we'll segregated. It hyper-segregated. <laughs> hyper-segregated. What we'll, we'll part of Chicago
3: Damn. were you in? South, North? Uh, west.
1: Originally, 906 Trumbull, which okay. is a neighborhood called Humboldt Park, okay. which okay. is predominantly, you started out as Polish, mm-hmm. and the Puerto Ricans moved in, Polish didn't like that too much. I <laughs> <laughs> so the po- Polish motherfuckers don't play. Hey, there's more of them play. than anybody, right? There well, there's more Polish people. The neighborhood that they moved uh, to, they moved north on Milwaukee Avenue by North Central, mm-hmm. M- which is the last neighborhood I moved into. There's more Polish people, I think, in that neighborhood than there are in Warsaw, okay. the capital. Oh, wow. So, yeah, mm, they sure. have a little Little Polonia festival every year I <laughs> used to go to. It's, I mean, everybody's got their pockets, so that's cool. Because right. there'll always be mm-hmm. Italian fest or Polish yeah, fest. Yeah, so you yeah, go sure. to Chinatown, and everybody's got like a little, you know, their fest, and you go into right. their, their town and... It's great, man. I, I want to go it. there I so.
3: I want to go there so bad. I got a bunch of buddies there from college. They've been trying to get out me, get me out there for it's years. It's a great town. Could imagine.
0: I have only been there once. Yeah. I drove through, in like fucking, 84 on my way to grandma's house. Oh shit! I was driving. Uh, 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 some of the some of the people that my parents grew up with. We all grew up at this particular church in the neighborhood. We from the hood, and. Um, my parents decided to send me away for the summer to go to my grandmother's house in Detroit. So <clears throat> on our way to fucking the D, in the fucking middle of the summer, by the way, um, they, we went through Chicago to some go to some other church, oh. and I remember sitting in the back of the van, looking out the window. This is fucking 1983, 84, so the fucking projects are still there. Oh, yeah. Looking out the window, it seemed like for miles. Yeah. There were nothing but projects, projects, projects. McDonald's. Projects, 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 yeah. projects, liquor project. store. I mean <laughs> it was like in the middle of the fucking hood. Sure. Yeah. Just went on and that's the only memory I have of Chicago is Damn. well Cabrini
1: Green was a little gnarly, but you probably you were probably talking about Robert Taylor. Probably. The red brick buildings yeah. and they just down in the Dan Ryan is I and I, I when I was eighteen I taught at Terrell grade school student taught I should say really? Um, which the last Robert Taylor building was 51st, and I think it was 51st in state. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's exactly what it was. It was the last project building ended, shared parking lot for Terrell Grade School, and then a McDonald's. But they did have grape <laughs> knee high, <laughs> which you can't get in most, in most McDonald's. So I got set up with some grape knee high. <laughs> you will
0: remember that shit. Yeah. You're the foodie and shit. Look <laughs> that. That's funny, man. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Now, so so you were there till you were like seven, and then yeah, could my you dad, tell a really my, cool story about your uncle coming to get you? Yeah, and all my that dad shit? passed away, and he was
1: because uh, he was in his twenties, right? He's twenty two, twenty two or twenty three. Do yeah, you mind me asking what he died of? Yeah. He got electrocuted. Oh, really? On the on the L train. Oh, wow. So yeah, and there's conflicting reports to what happened, but yeah. it, none of it was good. Oh, you good. know what I mean? Uh. So. But he was in the morgue, you know. The first day, when you live in a dysfunctional house, mm-hmm. someone's missing. You're like, I partied too hard. So you call around to his friends. The second right. day, you think, mm-hmm. oh, I fucking got locked up. So you call around. You know, <laughs> right, there's right, like right. a fucking like, system. Yeah, there's right. a system. You call <laughs> around that's to the hilarious. police stations and you say, yeah. All right, Is anybody locked up? And then the third day, you call the morgue. You know, damn. that's you're the hospital. The C- that's friend, just life. You're, yeah. I could, damn. I could kind
3: of relate. My mom was married to a meth head. So oh, yeah. that yeah. drug is gnarly. Really that that bad. shit. I was 16, that turned me from 16 to 30 this quick. Yeah. In a matter of four he was, months. he
0: was, you was a little mean little kid for a long time. Like, I mean, just, I, had, just angry. I had a reason to be though.
3: Yeah. You know, but I, you know, I can, I can relate. My mom had to go through that shit. Yeah. You know, oh, he was party too hard, mm-hmm. Call the police in three days. <laughs> you know, so I, I understand.
2: Yeah, That's is, I, understand. I
1: never, I think my mom got into it after I had left. She was always she would do like Dexitrim and shit like yeah. the farm you know, storefront mm-hmm. speed and then mm-hmm. regular street narcotic. But meth meth really wasn't around at least when I was living with her. Mm-hmm. And then I think that shit yeah. came in. That later shit's on.
3: Crazy. Wow. Yeah.
0: So um so you were there. You ended up moving in with your grandfather,
1: grandfather for a little while. Well, yeah. Well, when my dad died, my mom's brother came. And I would I would see him. He was a part of my life on the weekends because sometimes i go stay at my grandma's house okay. in this neighborhood called Oak Park, which mm-hmm. is a nice little... It's actually Now, was that his mother or her mother? His My mom's mother and my. Okay. my uncle's mom. Okay. So I would go stay with them sometimes on the weekend. And it mm-hmm. was crazy, like... You know, she'd take me to church. Mm-hmm. we go, she had a church right down the street. Catholic. Catholic church, yeah. yeah. It was called Ascension. And, you know, be this big giant cross with a dude yeah. with nails in his hands and shit. You're just like, what? Dude. Like, you know, you're, you're sick. You're like, what fucking happened to that guy, man? Like, <laughs> And Reggie, you don't, you're as a grown person, oh, like, man. say you never ever saw that. You don't know oh, anything yeah. about it. You know what yeah. I mean? And you walk into yeah. a room and you, you're like, what the fuck <laughs> did that guy do, man? Yeah. Like, and why, you know, it uh-huh. just, and I remember looking at that going, that's fine. And then she's like, he did that for you. Wow. And I'm like, what? I didn't do shit. Like, <laughs> I, had, like, I, I stole a candy bar yeah, down. Like, really. like, it was crazy. She'd be like, you have original sin. You know, we're just really devout, hardcore. Like, oh, yeah. you know, we Gilt all have original and sin and Adam uh-huh. and Eve. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm thinking uh-huh. in my head, I don't know. I didn't have shit to do with that. You know what I mean? Like, right. I didn't, like, it was, so, it was very difficult for me to make that connect to these mm. situations that I didn't have a part of and I didn't, because, you know, I, Monday through, fr- I'm thinking, where's this guy Monday through Friday? There's just some fucked up shit going in my house, <laughs> and a lot of the stuff they're talking uh-huh. about, the dude in the robe with the swinging chalice of smoke. Right, right, right. <laughs> I wish that the that dude would in happen. Curtain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, That's funny. you know, it was just weird dichotomy of these two worlds. And my mm-hmm. grandma would say, you know, like, uh, so what's? It was a big mystery, you know. So mm-hmm. like, what do you do? during the the week there, you know, like this (laughs) little spy mission she's trying to get in front. And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes my dad will have a party and they'll put flour on a mirror Mm. and everyone pushes their face in it. And sometimes they get into an argument about who got to put their face in the mirror last And she was like, what? Like she was like, a, uh, uh, like this Puritan old lady. She'd right, go, right. And she'd be making cookies and she'd mm-hmm. put flour in her mouth. She'd like, they just eat the flour? Like they totally like <laughs> right, Damn. right head, like. So it was just, it was very surreal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when my dad died. I moved over. Uh, my uncle came. We were at the f- funeral. And um, he said, listen, don't go to bed tonight. I'm going to come. You can hear me knock on the door. So just stay up. Mm-hmm. And uh, like my aunt was a, a heroin addict. And, um, you know, it was just without my dad there, it was just not going to be good. So mm-hmm. he came right before dawn, knocked on the door. I opened it up. He's like, we're getting out of here. And I'm like, well, what are you, where are we going to go? And he's mm-hmm. like, you're going to go move in. You're going to live with your mom now. And my one aunt, who actually had her shit together, woke well, heard, heard, the, right? yeah, heard yeah. she was in nursing school, actually mm-hmm. heard the um, commotion. And she's like, we're never going to see him again, are we? And he's like, nope. Let's go. Damn. One hug and we're out. Really? So, we We've never seen saw, her after that. Never saw. No. Wow. Wow. I think I saw my grandma at some festival because you know, in the summer in Chicago, because everyone's been indoors for nine months, It's mm-hmm. a festival right. every, three, you know, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I think I saw her. But it was so <laughs> weird. Like, I saw her and she saw me and I'm, I'm it was her, you know. Right, right, right. And then, like, I just felt the need to walk away. Like, I couldn't really? even go up and see her and she didn't do anything and she left. So it was my whole sense of, like, loyalty and what's yeah. safe and how shit works was just, you know, get get what you can get and fucking mm-hmm. move on, you know? Yeah. Like, there was really no... There was a sense of family, and there wasn't because my mm-hmm. mom was a fucking lunatic. She'd take me out drinking with her. I mean, you right. know, it was all fucked up. Mm-hmm. So it was all crazy, and I just thought... It, you get to a point where you're just like, when I can get out of this, I'm going to get out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, you know
0: it, it, it's funny. I hear you talking i've listened to you know other shows and stuff i'm always tripping on you know we grew up in the hood but we lived in a fucking house (laughs) you know what i mean it's always funny to me
3: see the difference is though i think what it was is you know because this my uncle this is my mom's brother so my dad's side of the family is a little bit more hood. I mean, and then my mom's the side of the family <laughs> is it's more Brady Bunch. You know what I mean? Yeah, they called us so, the Cosby
0: Show in the ghetto for
1: years. <laughs> nah, it's, it's, I mean,
3: it is. But, like, mm-hmm. a lot of shit like this that you're talking about, I didn't see until I got to high school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So
1: Yeah, but you know what's weird? My mom taught me how to throw a baseball. Right. You okay. know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. signed me up. I played Little League. Mm-hmm. I went to a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. It my grandfather paid for. Mm-hmm. My uncle, who was... Uh, you know, really cultured guy, worked on a radio show, took me to see Yo-Yo Ma. Oh, that's uh, cool. You know, took me to these concerts, mm-hmm. would give me Shakespeare. You know, so there was this weird, like, introduction to culture, introduction mm-hmm. of creative things. Right. And then there'd be insane alcoholism, insane mm-hmm. abuse, insane mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of conflicting, and no one's perfect. You know, that just happens to be my experience. Sure. You know, when you come to terms with it, shit tends to straighten out. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Were you yeah. were
0: you were you always funny as a kid or when did that happen? Did I you was no, uh,
1: you know, I was a fucking derelict. <laughs> like <laughs> just to be totally honest. Like uh-huh. I remember it was Which I, is perfect I, for punk rock though, isn't it? You <laughs> know, like I remember being like, This makes sense to me, like being uh-huh. in church, like wow, like uh, being really moved mm. by the idea of God and, mm-hmm. and goodness and the fact that there's evil and, you right. know, evil walks among us, mm-hmm. but there's a savior. I, I responded to all that. I was an altar boy. Mm. And like, uh, but then I had this, these compulsions to just get in trouble, you know? And you could say like, well, <laughs> yeah, you they can't help us, a, you, know, it? <laughs> you know, like, I love trouble. Like, we uh-huh. would, we were thieves, man, me and the crew that I rolled with mm-hmm. when I was a, in great, like, if it wasn't nailed down, we'd just steal it. Huh. We were just like fucking gypsies. Yeah. Hmm. Just fucking ravenous, man, through shit. <laughs> and uh, How were you at this time? Fuck, 10, 11. I mean, we'd roll oh, on okay. our bellies on skateboards and cut off the emblems of cars. And we had like these little army sacks. And we'd <laughs> throw them in and we'd bring them to the oh, junkyard. And, Take the
0: little Mercedes
1: hubcaps. and yeah, shit. you know. And um, <laughs> that was hilarious. And then feel guilty about it. Be like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. You know, you go into confession, like, oh, I stole a fucking Mercedes thing. You know, like... <laughs> So it <laughs> was, was just, uh, yeah, we'd throw, you know, break windows, just real delinquent shit, yeah. you know? I wish, oh, you look back, I was a fucking idiot. And I, could, mm. I certainly blame it on my circumstance. Like, oh, rough home, getting the shit kicked out of you mm-hmm. acting. I'm sure maybe but the, the thing that brought me the most shame and guilt through that entire thing was I did know the difference between right and wrong, yeah. and I fucking did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, that makes me feel powerless. It makes mm-hmm. me feel less. All the nonsense that can perpetuate, The behavior to get Mm -hmm. worse, worse, and worse, or ultimately wind up fucking kicking your ass. I think everybody pretty
0: much knows it's bad or good, but everybody tends to do it because it's the easy way. Yeah. It's the quick way, you know, to make a dollar to, you know, to get that cool car or whatever. It just always trips me out. Like, I go home probably, like, once a year. You go home, like, every couple months. Not anymore. (laughs) You still see the same motherfuckers in the same fucking house that their mom had, but the fanciest fucking lowrider, cool-ass car in the fucking driveway. Whatever, you know, the Escalade, whatever. It's like, that's the one thing. That we always relate you to know, Like I think you said Cadillac or some shit And your neighborhood Was like that. Whatever it was I forget what yeah, it was yeah. Old Oldsmobile or something Sure the Cadillacs Poor man's
3: Poor man's Yeah uh, you know what I mean Rolls Royce
0: It's like I mean, yeah. it's no Blue collar Rolls Royce do, It's like our, our fucking Not but It's like our fucking thing oh, That we yeah. do That we I just got rid of have. my Cadillac <laughs>
1: Yeah Cadillac's just one dent away From being a hoopty. If yeah. you're oh, interested shit. In fucking and now, you, now you just, Now you're driving around In an electric car It's over man I'm done Once I was 40 I was like Prius time I just I mean, wave at you trees. You turn all Hollywood on me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, shit, you're saving of a lot. Ton of gas, of shit,
3: ton on gas, man. I know, it's- it cost me fucking hundred dollars to fill up my Chevelle. Yeah,
0: Jesus. So Christ. when did you? When did you? Because um, you you spent a lot of time in the streets. I mean, a lot of time in the streets. When did it cross over to you meeting the guys and hanging
1: out and like the punk scene? When did that? When did that happen? Uh, high school. You know, I wouldn't say like when you say a lot of time in the streets. I don't want to kind of you know, make it seem like I was some You were. You were. lunatic you were. out till four a in the morning, you know. <laughs> I uh there's a there's a the, the punk scene in Chicago's lo- there's a thing called the punk and donuts. There's the a great Punkin documentary donuts called, called You Weren't There. Yeah, I saw that it um yeah. which is actually fuck, I probably came in right towards the end of that. Mm-hmm. So what people would call the true hardcore scene I just wasn't old enough to be a sure. part of. But when I was I started skateboarding at uh, probably 12, but, like, mm-hmm. really, like, skating ramp, skating street, mm-hmm. like, it was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so you get turned on to thrash, punk rock, mm-hmm. just in that scene. And mm-hmm. I really started to like that music and then realized f- there's... It was like, the late 80s, early 90s or something? Yeah, oh, yeah. It. it would be <coughs> 86? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 86. Mm-hmm. Like, really getting into the music. And um, 86, 87. And then... But like reading Thrasher, Transworld magazine, everything's like Venice, California, Woodward. Like Mm -hmm. it just didn't seem like it was happening in Chicago. Like I just thought the scene was somewhere else. Sure. And then when people were like, "No, dude, you can go downtown Mm -hmm. and see shows like by Mm -hmm. Clark and Belmont," I'm like, "What?" Mm -hmm. And so we all took the train. (laughs) We took the subway train and got off, and it was like leather jackets Mm -hmm. and mods and Mm -hmm. skins, and Mm -hmm. but it was weird. in that time, like hammer skins Mm -hmm. and uh, so she was hammer skins. There was there were there were there was a war going on at oh, yeah. shows because it oh, was yeah. all ages. Mm-hmm. So there was this whole racist group of skinheads that were trying to, like, hijack mm-hmm. shows. Like, and I, we literally just kind of skated right into the middle of this. Right. And so then there were Shock Boys, ARA. Mm-hmm. And so they would have these two fronts, and then there'd be huge fights, like two, three hundred people, like right in the middle of the street. They'd be flipping cop cars over. It was fucking insane. This would be a fucking movie
0: about about this shit. There's a couple movies. You know they're doing part two of the Quadrophenia, which is pissing me off. Are they really? Yeah, I'm pissed. pissed off
1: about about it. It's blasphemy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But the mods were always like, obviously on the Vespas and everything, but if that was more of a... or the rude boys it was just chill mm. they were tough but it was more like a presence as mm-hmm. opposed to the punks which were like in the pit mm-hmm. and like there was a yeah, place called we don't want to get dirty yeah everybody the my was city, sharp I so, the mo- Taylor, so, so the
3: mods were all the pretty boys yeah,
1: well yeah, pretty, yeah. They, yeah. Were, they were, they sure they say, were no. always dressed up and um, yeah. the punks were there was this club called Medusas mm-hmm. there was Medusas there were Future Shock Future Shock was a place that was like boarded up and you could like sneak in and they would have parties there later the Riviera Aragon Bra Room Saw, like, Seven Seconds, Fugazi, mm-hmm. just great ba- Bad Brains, mm-hmm. just great shows. Yeah, Naked Ray Gun that would play, like, every Saturday at the Riviera. Mm-hmm. So, they were just bad great. Th- Do you know Bad Brains?
3: Yeah, Bad Brains from bad D.C. Brains I yeah, went to school man. in Maryland. So. Oh, did you really? Yeah.
1: It's yeah. Black Flag, too, right? Black Flag's from Washington, yep. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, So, it was just a wild time, man, mm-hmm. to just be like... I, I, I remember being at a show and I don't even think anybody's going to know this band so
0: what are you you rocking back then what you wearing
1: so uh (laughs) what was your steal up well I would have the uh the black leather jacket with the exploited uh Uh, orange exploited exploited fucking thing on the back what is what is that uh, That's a band oh okay and uh you know then your pins of like Mm -hmm. the bands that you like Mm -hmm. ripped ripped jeans docks (laughs) I had eight whole black docks three whole oxblood Mm -hmm. docks Mm -hmm. and um yeah, I have, have a mohawk for a little bit. I was going to like a uh, prep school. Really? Oh yeah, shit! Yeah. So like, I could your hair couldn't touch your collar, and <laughs> like, yeah. so I had to be very. Uh,
2: okay. Although had there was slick th- it
1: back during the day. <laughs> there were two guys. It was this kid Mike mm-hmm. who had hair pretty almost down to his ass. Mm-hmm. Musician, great guy, mm-hmm. good skater. And every day, he used a whole can of hairspray to fold. It was almost like a... Like a bun. So yeah, true. like a bun that went oh, back sure. up. And funny. then they almost didn't let him graduate. Wow. Because, Just because of that? Because of that. And then there was like, you know, when you're high school, real serious issues that we had That's to deal hilarious. with. Like, a, like campaign, like the administration, <laughs> to let Mike graduate. <laughs>
0: and see, I was the opposite because I would get most outrageous outfits or... Most you know the best dressed. You know what I mean. Showing <laughs> <laughs> up on my scooter on my scooter. Yeah. I still have my scooters. Are you serious? Yeah, I got one of them in the backyard here, and I got five. You of them You don't in the have it just house. sitting out there, do you? It's in back. You don't have yeah, it in the garage or anything. No, oh, it's in the courts. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck, oh, yeah. just oh, have no, that no. shit. No, because my other scooters are all fucking modded out. You yeah, know, so
1: those are definitely. Is there up. a scene out here? Yep. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah.
0: Now, see, I grew up in in Palo Alto, which is where we're both from, but we grew up on the East Side, what we call the Dangerous Mind Side. <laughs> which was the movie, the movie Dangerous Minds? That's that what the was that was based off of too. And um, so but I, I used to always go over to Palo Alto, which is funny because I, I came from kind of like one breakdancing hip hop gang to hanging out with the punks and mods, and we were like yeah. twenty times worse than we were. I got in way more fights than I sure, did sure. ever yeah. when we was claiming than I was when I was hanging around the root boys and shit for yeah. ten years. We were out there fighting all the time. Well, don't I don't mean.
1: I don't usually talk about this, but when when the racist skinheads really started to have a mm-hmm. dominant presence, I talked to two of the other non-racist groups mm-hmm. of guys and I'm like, do we have to end this right now cuz a good mm-hmm. friend of mine got stabbed." Oh, and sure. so we formed like this coalition that mm-hmm. had about 150 people at the, at oh, the top. Shit. Yeah. And we just rolled through like the opening of Gladiator just one day. The they were like, at least hell. Fucking. It was like 300 and the irony, shit. Though. <laughs> here's what happened in our neighborhood because
0: downtown Palo Alto and University by Stanford was um, a place called The Varsity. You remember The Varsity yeah. when you were a kid? The Varsity wow, used to crazy. be the spot. It was that. like every single Saturday night they played Rocky Horror at like fucking midnight. Yeah. One o'clock in the morning they played Quadrophenia or Dance Craze or some oh, shit. Wow. And so we were there every night. Scooters lined up out front, dude, every night. This is the early, early, early 80s, early mid-80s. And say how old the my is. And um, the skins were, as you know, there's several different kinds of skins.
1: But most people don't know this.
0: Most people don't know. My my very first movie that I wrote.
3: We'll talk about them because a lot of people don't know about skins.
0: Um. Oh, you want know me about on Yeah, you thing? should. Oh, you okay. You should, because a
3: lot of people listening, they don't know about this. Okay. It. Like, I didn't right. know this shit until you told me this.
1: Okay.
0: So. Well, that's a whole other show. However, okay. <laughs> let's just put it this way. In the 60s, back in England, there was, there was kind of a descendant from the mods, which were skinheads. And they were the ones who were a little bit more rougher than the mods were. Right. They kind of dressed similar. The style, the biggest misconception that people have on skinheads is that, they're all these white racist guys. What they don't realize is right. there's, a, there's a book called The Spirit of 69, which is the skinhead Bible. I think it was written in the 70s or 80s. And <clears throat> the very first quote in there is from one of the original, Hard Mods. Hard Mods was right before skinheads. <laughs> I'm all into this shit. <laughs> and he said a quote. He, was, he came around in like 64. That shows you how long skinhead's been around. Um, he said, if anybody's a skinhead and, they, and they're racist, they're not a skinhead. Yeah. You can't be a skinhead and be racist because skinheads came from from the the reggae, Rastafarian, rude boys in Kingston who now moved over to Jamaica who were wearing Doc Martens, who were wearing braces, the whole, yeah, yeah. you know what right. I mean? Skinhead reggae, hello? That's what it's called. Um, huh. Anyway, so whenever I meet somebody who's a fucking racist kid, I'm like, you have yeah, yeah. no idea. You didn't do your research, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, so... Um, just to go off on that, if that told you anything, I don't know if it told you what skinhead. No,
3: it it top, did because I, I think like you know the listener they got the gist yeah. of yeah. What It's a tough because
1: there the it is an intimidating culture its right. and it's been, it's it's a losing battle almost totally. to 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 say well it's not red people are just their brains shut down and you have a lot of people on the street that are mm-hmm. actually active and yeah. fighting Absolutely. against because racist skinheads are uh, uh, a dangerous faction. Yeah. I mean, so they're, have, they're the yeah. ones who
0: get... It's kind of like in the black neighborhood. You get the homeboys who get the press. Yeah, yeah. And then you got, like, the the guys who are, like, common and most deaf who yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah. And there's hell of dudes like yeah. that. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like the same little transition. Because I still go to ska shows all the time, you know, um, and matter of fact, there was a big. Monster. So you'll see,
1: you'll have sharps there and stuff, dude. Yeah. Totally,
0: yeah. you know. Now, skin skinheads, are skinheads against racial prejudice, prejudice. Oh, okay. There's, I mean, I was part of that for a long time. There's a lot of those dudes. I started in Chicago, by the did way. Did you start it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that? That's awesome. cool, man.
3: <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, I'm, yeah, lear- I'm group, learning. I'm learning some yeah. shit, man. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know. Because
0: shit. because there's a lot of dudes out there who are who don't believe in that shit. Right. like, how are you a fucking skinhead? You walking around wearing my fucking shit, right. giving me a bad name when I'm actually repping reggae and fucking ska, you know what I mean? Right, and, and, and right. R&B and soul and shit and your ass is going around and talking well, yeah, about It's like, an, it's I mean, an aggressive,
1: I mean? well, at least, when, when, you know, people were getting hurt. Yes. And it was like, well, you, we're, we'll match your aggression. Like, if exactly. you want to fuck around and you want to play games, well then. But I, I want to preface all this with it. it was also an adolescent juvenile response to something no that was an adolescent... Huh. Juvenile idea. Absolutely. So, you know, it's not like I'm like, and that's the way it should be right now. <laughs> you know, I was a fucking knucklehead that was seeing guys get hurt for the color of their skin or their right. religious, you know, beliefs. And sure. we were like, you know, um, I heard you mention Malcolm X before. It was like, kind of like a by any means necessary, like, is that, you want to do that? Well, we're not going to be passive. Exactly. Like, you're not going to come to our shows. You're not going to come to our town. You're not going to put hands on our mm-hmm. friends. You're not going to put hands on our women. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Well, and well, so what then, happened? Then I almost got killed, and I had to fucking walk away. <laughs> oh,
0: sure. well, well, what yeah. happened in, 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 in Palo Alto was—I don't want to go too long because we got to talk about <laughs> you, but it's just some interesting shit. No, it is.
3: It's very is, interesting.
0: What happened in Palo Alto was it was such a small town because we were, Palo Alto's pretty much in between like 30 miles to San Francisco, 30 miles to, to San Jose. Would you say something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. About 30 minutes each way. Uh-huh. And so we were all congr- congregating together. So there'd be the mods, the punks, the skins, the sweatheads, everybody in one yeah. spot. So the traditional skins were here, the rude boys, the mods, everybody in one place. So the Nazis had nowhere else to go but to be there with us. So guess who befriended all the Nazis? We did.
1: No shit. Now,
0: what I didn't tell you was uh, there, were, there were six of us. Remember Lindsay, yeah. uh, uh, Andre, Quentin, Troy, yep. Max? There were was, was six of us who were
1: all black. Was right. Quentin a big dude? Huh? Was Quentin no, a big Quentin's dude? A small guy. That's the first small Quentin I ever heard of. But <laughs> he's but
3: but he he's black belt. It's He'll whoop your ass. That's it. He'll, your ass He'll kick met your ass. ass I've <laughs> met. Every Quentin I've ever met. Some big
1: cat. Oh, oh, so you know Quentin
0: yeah. from uh, the, the movie then, right? You're talking about that. No, Quentin? I'm just saying every Quentin oh, okay. that
1: I've met that's yeah. yeah. in that scene that that's yeah. you know, you know yeah. Quentin. Don't fuck with Quentin. He's like he's like Quentin I've ever met, He's like six. Yeah,
3: a s he's a small cat, but he's black belt. Yeah, whoop, he whooped a lot of ass. So. But we had such a small,
0: <laughs> I don't want to call it a small scene. It still was a couple hundred of us. But it was a pretty small scene compared to when we go to the Batcave in fucking San Francisco. You know, and they have a fucking big scoot, scoot rally or some shit. And it'd be a thousand motherfuckers wow. looking like ants coming over the fucking, you know, wow. the hills and shit. That's dude, just... I got pictures. It is fucking amazing. I'm going to see a movie about this yeah, shit, dude. Dude, there's tons. Well, there's not tons. There's a few. And um, the very first movie I ever wrote was a movie called Rebel Yell. And it's a true story in how skinheads became skinheads. That's the movie that got that's the script that got to Sundance on oh, one draft. Cool. You know, because people have never seen this fucking story. Yeah, I wanted to tell a true story. You know, and what I did was, I went, what if we went with? I was always fascinated with Sting's character in a Quadrophenia. Mm-hmm. He played the Ace Face, the sharp-dressed one, which is always me. You know, I don't ride my scooter if I'm not sharp. Still to this day. Ah. Dude, I got to have the look on. I don't have to be in a suit, but I need to be tight. (laughs) You know, you know. I be tight on my scooters. Yeah. And (laughs) I feel it's disrespectful. Motherfuckers be here in L.A. Fucking flip-flops on. I'm like, dude, you're on a fucking scooter. Really? You know what I mean? (laughs) Really? You don't see Harley dudes wearing a fucking suit. They represent the fucking look because they they, they, they represent it. That's true. You know, I started a mod group here back in, I like 10 years ago. And, um... We were the sharpest fucking, we called the Reflections for years. And we had the best fucking, you know, we'd start off with two awesome. of us, ended with about 60 of us, oh, you know. Wow. We'd have big scooter rallies, you know what I mean. And That's there's cool. a couple guys out now who still do West Side, South Bay, some guys in Long Beach and Orange County that still do it. And, um, but nobody's really doing it hard. Yeah. You know, people are, you know, it's hot here. And motherfuckers don't want to get dressed up. I'm like, yeah. what, what the fuck town. are you wearing it for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, I go in that shit all day. <laughs> 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 I love that shit. Um, so let's jump into a little bit of how, how you got into comedy and how did that happen? Cause I really want to hear about, cause you're all into the first, which I love. Mm-hmm. I'm all into the how, like, how did that happen? Yeah, You know what I mean? Well, I
1: mean, I always, you know, I, I would class clown. I mm-hmm. always getting in trouble for talking, trying to make people laugh. Sure. And then, um, you know, the honeymooners, I'd watch the honeymooners with my grandfather. Oh, he shit. would laugh and I, and, but you know, that's, Honeymooners, to me, still is one of the funniest shows that's ever been Absolutely. made. It's just a perfect show, mm-hmm. but, you know, screaming at his wife, and I'm going <laughs> to fucking punch you. Like, there's some really dark... It sounded, it sounded like, like home, right? Yeah, and, I, and, then, and then you were laughing, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is... You could do that? Like... <laughs> so I would always do like physical comedy at school like I'd fall off chairs or I'd throw mm-hmm. myself down you know just to get the laugh mm-hmm. right and that was a very physical show but then when I got into high school I started listening to like uh, Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. Pryor oh, you talk sure. about then, Pryor a lot I yeah, mean, Pryor's, Pryor's probably P- your favorite it seems by, like by far by yeah far. definitely and um, but you know Pryor would talk about being addicted to heroin you know, mm-hmm. right. and his mom mm-hmm. and, and prostitution and you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately my mom went down that path a little later in her life so it resonated really true with me I saw comedy on a um, almost like a buffet for a horrible example of like Fatty Falls Down it's pretty <laughs> simple. You know what I mean? Chris pretty simple. Farley. That guy falls really down. He was talking about like he's fat. He left. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. You know what I mean? Like Farley, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Farley. Oh, man. Tommy, boy, I could watch a thousand times. Okay. Animal Is Farley House, from Chicago? Man. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. from Wisconsin, but he went to Second City. Chicago.
3: Yeah. At the time that you were growing up, you guys had the best fucking comedians. Yeah,
1: no doubt. That's the same Seriously. right now, man. Like, if you yeah. watch all of. Um, it's weird. I came in, um, you know how skating was the shit, then it disappeared, then yeah. it came back, and now mm-hmm. it's kind of back. The same mm-hmm. thing kind of happened with stand-up. Huh, 80s was true. great. All the comics got shows, then it got, the mark got oversaturated, right, it fucking right. died. Mm-hmm. Three quarters of the comedy clubs closed. Oh, I shit. came in right at that, when there was like <laughs> one club, but I wanted to do stand-up. You talk yeah, about the how, yeah. and so I, I, I had wanted to do it, and I heard about open mics, and then finally I said, fucking I'm going to go. See what this is all about, and mm. I just went and did one open mic, and it was awkward, and I didn't do well, mm. and we weren't well received. I went with this. I started doing them on my own, but I, I brought this kid named John Roy, who's a very successful comic. Oh, that now, was your first show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were roommates. When, when I was, I think I was 19 or 20, and he mm-hmm. was not, okay. you, you know, so we've known each other for a long time. He was in a band. He goes, dude, you got to come see my band. Mm-hmm. So I went to go see his band, and, and after his show, he said, What do you think? I go, Dude, you got to do comedy. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> this, this fucking ain't going to work for you, man. So <laughs> he came with me, and we went out one night and, and to an open mic, and we were treated. They would just go, Wow, well, there's no spots. I mean, mm-hmm. really, fucking first introduction, and it just. Fuck you, competitive, mm. right. clickish, whole thing. Mm. And uh, but I went up, and I think you know we couldn't get on that night. So I was mm. like, all right, that that must be what this is like. Right. And then finally, just started going up, doing sets, really trying to see. Well aware immediately of how difficult it is. Now, were you writing at the time? Well, well, I wouldn't write out. I wrote out, like, this is something I want to talk about. Perfect. So I didn't even know how to write a joke or uh-huh. how to write a funny story. I just thought it <laughs> would be funny if I t- premise, Exactly. That shit go, go, go. seems so fucking difficult, oh my dude. God, I, yeah. I couldn't
3: imagine that shit, dude.
1: So you get, like, two funny minutes, and then someone's mm. like, you got to do five minutes. And you're <laughs> like, fuck, five minutes, yeah. man. How do I, what? I got to talk, just me, for <laughs> I five see minutes?
3: see these cats do 30-hour-long specials. I'm like, yeah. how the fuck do you do that, dude? <laughs> That shit's amazing.
1: I headlined last night and they're like, um, How long did you do last night? They, I thought it was going to be 15, there are 15 comics on the show. Oh, Damn. I was like, Come lot. on now. So,
3: it's too many, dude.
1: Exactly. But the audience was great. Yeah. The show started at 10. I went on at midnight and Ooh, I did okay. 10, no, okay. 15, but the show went large. So, like, do 12. And I'm like, Fuck, how am I just going to do 12? Like, because now I'm on mm-hmm. the other side of that. I'm mm-hmm. Like, what am what I going to do that's only going <laughs> to take up 12 minutes? Because. I'm not a TV comic. Like, right. I was a, I, I know... What does that I, mean for the people who don't... Well, you know, like, if you're going to go on and do The Late Show, say, the mm-hmm. whole so idea was to go on and do Carson or The mm-hmm. Tonight Show, right? So right. you're going to go on and do Jimmy Fallon show, right? right. It's, uh, so it's a total of four and a half minutes of material because it's a five-minute spot. Sure. give okay. it 30 seconds for applause breaks. Right. So it's four and a half minutes of material. It's just a very special... You know, it's got to be TV clean. Oh, yeah. They want a point of view. They mm-hmm. want right, a thing. Right, all right, these right, things. Right. And you know what? I'm not going to say I'm like Pryor, mm-hmm. but my style is, I would actually probably say like Cosby, a, a Cosby-Pryor hybrid, where the stories okay. that I oh, tell shit. are autobiographical, mm-hmm. they tend to be more blue, right. with really kind of dramatic stakes sure. that you probably wouldn't think were going to be funny, like the Honeymooners, mm-hmm. like my early influences, like Pryor, mm-hmm. and then, like I, last night, I just told a 10-minute sto- story, the 10-minute the mm-hmm. bit on... Chicago, mm-hmm. the CNN show, Chicagoland, how rough it is, it's the murder capital of the country right now, and how shit's <laughs> totally out of him. But let me give you one example of me being in a restaurant where a gunfight almost broke out, and so I reenact the whole thing, but I was oh, drunk, yeah. and oh, I'm shit. under the table while two guys are arguing, and one guy's got a gun, and this the is other guy said, this, this is, is real store. shit at the Golden Nugget <laughs> on Irving, oh, and shit. I'm, but I'm fucked up. And I'm yelling at the waitress who's under the counter, and I could just see her, and I'm like, bring bacon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you forgot my bacon. She's like, fuck you. I'm like, fuck me. Fuck you. Bring my bacon.
3: That's funny shit. That's
1: funny shit. While the fight's happening over me, these guys might kill each other. Now, what happened was the dude left Uh because one guy was fucking with another guy in the restaurant. It's like four in the morning. Guns out. 20 and minutes later, 20 minutes later, a detective walks in. 20 <laughs> minutes later, and he walks in and he goes, hey, did somebody pull a, whoa, is that fucking cherry pie? <laughs> <laughs> and he sits down at the counter, and he eats a fucking piece of pie. And, not, and no one said shit. The dude pulled a gun in a packed restaurant, and he's oh, like, fucking cherry pie time. <laughs>
3: Oh god! So like that that's funny. funny shit,
1: man. Yeah, and I mean that's the shit I want to tell. That's the mm. stuff I talk about. It's so, but you too, had to go so. through a lot of shit before you found that voice, man, though, right? I found success not very not early on, but probably a little bit quicker than a lot of people do. Doing material that was funny, that the audience liked, that was very generic. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot of me in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of sizzle and not a lot of steak.
2: Now,
0: did you did huh. you have one of those aha moments where it clicked in for you, where you needed to change that?
1: Well, here's what happened. I um, I was doing really well. Mm-hmm. I did the Montreal Comedy Festival in okay. 2003. I did stand up on uh, Comedy Central and NBC right away. I was mm-hmm. testing for pilots as a half hour actor. Okay. But around that time, I was I also was newly sober. Okay. And so, and my wife, I was my son. I think my son was born. So he was one. So I'm mm-hmm. newly sober. I'm like. Just under two years sober. Mm-hmm. My son's a year, year and a half. And so You're I still have. Still working at Starbucks at that time. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I I gotten a job for the benefits at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I hadn't booked that thing that was going to like mm-hmm. they change my life. The benefits at Starbucks? Pilot. Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah, man. Part time. Are you fucking part kidding time? me? Yeah, 20 hours a week, wow. get full benefits. Dude, so
3: you can make Damn. lattes and get vision coverage and shit?
1: You're looking at the guy that <laughs> did it. crazy, <laughs> dude. That's exactly why I did it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's funny. So. I was working there And here's a weird ass story So And doing all the big shows In LA Right Mm. But still It was very My performance style Was very big Like comics used to joke Around me I'd do this thing Called a hunker down For my punk rock Mm -hmm. influence So I was Like I'd literally Be like Henry Rollins Singing Almost in a full split On stage Rocking back and forth doing this material, probably 20% of which I liked, Mm -hmm. and the rest was very funny, but Mm -hmm. anybody could have probably done it. Maybe not in my performance style, Mm -hmm. but anybody could have done it. Nobody (coughs) could tell the story I just told you because Mm -hmm. I lived it. Right. So that's the transition of stuff that I wanted to do, to just do stuff that was from me that I like, and if I'm going to do anything observational, Mm -hmm. I want to have it based in experience Mm -hmm. that's unique to me. Mm -hmm. But I only learned that, so... To go back. So here I'm at this crossroads, and like I'm at Starbucks one day, and there's this guy, and he's got his hat pulled down, and he's got glasses on, and I'm fairly new, and I'm, you know, some morning rush, I'm mm-hmm. trying to make drinks, and this girl comes in, she's like, and This is Beverly Glenn Mulholland. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of executives, oh, it's yeah. a lot. I mean, I actually went in. That's to a busy from, one, dude. <laughs> it's busy. I actually went in to a meeting at Fox. After the Montreal Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. I came back, went back to work at Starbucks. Right. And I go in, and uh, it was an executive. I go, I made you a latte this morning. <laughs> he came in. That meeting did not go well.
2: Oh, shit.
1: <laughs> but, like, that's where I was at. That's like, funny. I had gotten that guy's
0: coffee earlier. See, I, I got interrupted. But, <laughs> see, now you've sat on the other side. Yeah. You've learned not to do that. Anymore, oh, yeah. You? I wouldn't have that. But I was just like, hey, man, I know you.
1: Um, so this girl's like, oh, my God, Mick Betancourt. And I'm like... Yeah, you know, I got my shitty green apron on. It's got fucking coffee grounds all over it. She's like, I want your autograph. I saw you at the Laugh Factory. I'm, saw you. In co- I, I'm like, your biggest fan. So I'm like, all right, mm. who sent you in here to fuck it? You know, like, who's outside, you know? And she's like, no, seriously, I swear to God. So I'm like, well, okay. She's like, give me your autograph, please. So I'm like, all right. So I grabbed a cup, right? Oh, like a cup. Venti cup, and I put, uh, thanks for all the support. Mick Betancourt. Mm. And then I put, still at... And then I drew an arrow to the Starbucks <laughs> <low> and circled <laughs> it. And I go, who is it for? And she goes, uh, Tori. So I put T O R Y. Mm. And then the guy, there's this guy standing there, and, his, and he's like, uh, he's like this, you know, <laughs> waiting for his drink. So I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. So I give her the cup, and she uh-huh. walks out. And he's like, so what do you do? And I go, oh, I'm a stand up man. He goes, oh, good luck with that. She comes back. She's like, it's Tori with an eye. Can you do another cup? And I'm like, seriously, now you're fucking with me. She's like, no, I I swear to God. So he looks at her, and she's like... He goes, "What about me?" And she goes, "I don't know you." <laughs> and so then <laughs> I make her a new that's cup, hilarious. and she leaves. And he takes off his glasses, huh. and it was Kevin Spacey. Oh, oh shit! That's
2: so I go,
1: "Oh shit, man!" <laughs> Holy he goes, "What about shoot. me?" Is a wow. joke, but I didn't even recognize him because. Uh, and I'm oh, like, "Dude, I really shoot. like what that's, you do." Like, oh, <laughs> like, God. I'm sorry, the barista. <laughs> that's what my right now, bro. i like, Dude, <laughs> it was all these surreal. weird. LA fucking (laughs) moments, man. Kevin
3: Spacey? (laughs) Shit.
1: I was working there and. uh, Damn, that's nuts. Paul drinks on the bar. I'm like, Paul, your drink's on the bar. Mm. Paul. And then Paul Stanley from Kiss goes, hey, man don't be yelling my name like that. I don't need everyone to know I'm here. I'm like, bro, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> when I yell Paul, Paul Stanley from Kiss doesn't fucking appear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's cut me a little break here, man. Yeah, and he turned out to be one of the coolest he fucking is. guys.
0: I actually used to hang out with him at the gym. Man, he used to sit the and most ride the humble, bikes. cool guy. Oh, we would sure. talk, he would talk nicest about, guy, yeah, guy. That's
1: cool. Ever. He would talk about his son, and mm-hmm. my son was just born. And, that's cool, man. You know, So that whole trip mm-hmm. of like, Growing up poor, but then working there, there's a Ferrari mm-hmm. club that meets up there on Sundays. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, this is another fucking world. <laughs> yeah, up here, man.
0: I love it's L.A. Crazy. It just makes
3: you it makes you aspire you be to be anything better. here, dude. You any can come here thing.
0: with any stupid ass idea yes. and be super rich and successful. From yep. you yeah. you know that's what I love about it. Yeah, um, I love that transition right there. You eventually found that voice.
1: Well, here's what happened. I wrote down on a piece of paper. I sat across from my wife. Mm-hmm. And I said, what does this look like in success? I said, let's write this down. Because um, I, was, I was starting to get frustrated that, well, you want to talk about you can do anything in L.A. Mm-hmm. A lot of the cool kid comics would be considered like the, like the alternative scene was just starting. And, and mm-hmm. they didn't really. I so liked, what
3: is alternative comedy?
1: Um, it's whatever alternative comics deem it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's this kind of evolving gelatinous thing of like. Like Seth Rogen? It started with Janine Garofalo, Mark Marin, um, now oh, it'd be like, okay. you know, Maria Bamford, mm-hmm. uh, Meltdown Quirky. Louis C.K., quirky, very kind of, quirky, I, I did, kind of quirky, very, uh, dark nerdist and shit. type of mm-hmm. stuff now, oh, okay. you know, like pre. Yeah. Yeah, all the guys probably. who are showrunners now. <laughs> yeah, yeah
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seth Rogen, those type of guys. Yeah,
1: I don't know if they were more, because that was Mitch Hurwitz's thing, like oh, the yeah. freaks and geeks. It's mm-hmm. more of like a. Um, it started out, I think, as an anti comedy thing of not okay. trying it to be so okay. jokey, but have it come from a real place. Right. It's and, smart, um, though. Here, I'll give you an example. Everyone like, like Dane Cook had a huge national sure. thing, but the cool kids never accepted Dane Cook. And I don't know Dane, and I'm not really talking mm-hmm. shit here, but I think. Him not being accepted by what the cool kids were, the back of the room, mm-hmm. made his brain eat itself from the inside out. Like, oh, so here shit. he was, like, selling out stadiums mm-hmm. and doing all this, but the comedy right. taste makers mm-hmm. didn't dig his shit. They thought it was probably a little vanilla and bland and broad. Mm-hmm. And huh. so I think that really impacted him. Now, the reason why I'm saying I'm not judging him is I feel like I let the hate fuck with me too, oh, okay. because you I almost was, quit at some point. I almost quit because I'm like, fuck. I didn't like not, I didn't like do performing well, mm-hmm. and then not being able to do what were considered the cool kid shows. So sure. I started to let that fuck with me. I'll mm-hmm. own that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I said, well, why isn't? It fu- I'm not really doing the shit I want to do anyway, so maybe that's what the lesson I'm supposed to learn from this. Can I do the work? To get to, am I doing the work to get to the place where the cool kids will let me sit at the cool kids' table, uh-huh. or am I, do I want to do this work to be creatively satisfied? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then I said, let me write down what this looks like in success to try to motivate me to see whatever the work's going to be, creatively, mm. financially, whatever. So I said, all right, well, what if I get a TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I star in a TV show as a comedian because I was certainly well-placed to do that, right? right. Sure. So I'm like, all right, I'll be working 70 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and you the, the cool thing about being on TV as a comedian or in a comedic role is you can then go make a lot of money touring Absolutely. because people recognize you and you have fame mm-hmm. and you can parlay that fame into public appearances in mm-hmm. clubs and theaters. So I said, all right, then any other free time that I have, I'll be spent out of the house touring. Okay. Now, I just showed you a picture before the show True. and I said to my wife, just so you know, when I, and she's well aware of this, you know, when I finish shows, for whatever reason, just like when musicians get off stage, mm-hmm. there's always people Girls. standing around. <laughs> Am I equipped to deal with that week in and week out? Now, I'm of course I'm being mm-hmm. um, not not I'm I'm being um, not fantasizing, but I'm like. Best and worst case scenarios huh, of complete that's success. Real. That's real. What are the temptations yeah. going to be? I'll be. There'll be narcotics. I'm newly sober. There's mm-hmm. going to be every club that I go to uh-huh. has free drinks for the comics. Mm-hmm. That's just part of the deal. So I just listed all of these things. You know, mm-hmm. these uh-huh. temptations. That's yes. Absolutely. And then, what what do I get from all of that? Mm-hmm. Money. Okay, so I'm s- money, <laughs> and we don't have any at this point, we're, so and we're, we're, we're broke. Okay, so sorry. <laughs> what else do I like? Right. Mm-hmm. I love Hill Street Blues. Mm. I love the first season of Miami Vice. Mm -hmm. I love The Wire. I've never seen
3: The Wire, dude. What? Everybody always says that shit. Oh, my God.
1: The Wire (laughs) is a good show. The Shield. Mm -hmm. Um, Law & Order SVU. I said, really, man, I like those shows. I'd like to write those shows. That's cool, man. Um, But I never did that before. Mm -hmm. But to be honest with you, I looked at all of the performing stuff, and I said, I'll probably be dead in two years. If I got all of this, if I had, if I achieved this amount of success, someone threw me two mil a year Mm -hmm. and I, and I was away from my, Mm -hmm. my base, which is my wife and my son, my meetings that I go to to stay sober, Mm -hmm. that I, I for sure would be dead Mm -hmm. for what money. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me push that to the side for a second. Do I like the challenge of this writing stuff? So Mm -hmm. I, I I did just research Mm -hmm. and I said, well, what does that look like? Well, you work 40 to 60 hours a week. You're in town. Mm -hmm. So I said, I could see my wife. I could see my, and there's money there. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So money. I
1: called my agent mm-hmm. who said, we're so excited. We got some great, ca- a lot of casting directors. We're <laughs> excited to have you come in. I go, well, here's the deal. <laughs> wait, I wait for it. <laughs> I said, um, I'm going to walk away from comedy, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to keep doing stand-up, but mm. I'm going to go, and I'm going to find a room, and I'm going to start it. Hmm. And I'm going to book comics that I like, and I'm going to try to evolve and get to the place that I want to as a performer. Okay, huh. you're going to make no money on that. Wow. But what I am going to do is uh, I'm going to focus almost exclusively on writing. And they <laughs> go, amazing. What ideas for comedies do you have? And I go, well, here's ah, where the ah, twist comes in. How you just imagine that? I'm going to write about murder. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, what do you know about... So they, oh, go, they go, you're
1: only known as a comedian and as, a, as an actor. Mm-hmm. And I said, well... Because I just booked a drama pilot as mm-hmm. an actor. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that. And mm-hmm. I go, you have to trust me. And and when when I first met these people, mm-hmm. people at UTA, who I used to have the same agents now for 10 years. I was just going to ask you, are you still with yeah, them? Yeah, same, same people. Yeah. Um, And I'm very loyal, that mm-hmm. that blue-collar Midwest thing. My mm-hmm. word's my honor. Wow. I said, you have to trust me. I haven't lied to you. I haven't. I'm not that guy that, you know, can you ride a horse? Yes. Can you? Can you do, are you an archer? Yes. Like, no, if I can't do something, I say no. And if I can't, right. I say yes. I want to show well when sure. you give me meetings sure. and stuff. So I said, just trust me. Mm-hmm. I know I can do this and it's the right <coughs> move. Just put me in a position to, you know, get me to the plate and I'll take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. So I wound up uh, riding a spec and, and segueing into that world was now. the shield? What was it? Um, yeah, this the, the, okay. well, there's the next thing. So I said, well, What's like an edgy show on oh, TV okay. right now? Because that's the stuff I like. And she goes, Because, right. you know, I had a newborn, mm-hmm. so I wasn't watching any TV. And she goes, The Shield. Mm-hmm. So I go, Oh, yeah, cool. I, mm-hmm. So I go to. Uh, fries and i buy a box set of the shield oh shit and i watch the box set and i'm like shit how do i write one of these mm-hmm. you know like and then on the <laughs> he only dvd picked, like the best
0: writing on tv yeah. at the time <laughs> but then on the
1: dvd this is like 2000 extras.
3: 2001
1: 2000 yeah this would be 2000
3: so this is pre no sons no of anarchy. this is 2004 like four four 2004, or four or five,
1: 2004. Say, so this yeah. is before
3: sons of anarchy yeah yeah
1: way, oh, be, way all before those guys yeah. were on the shield yeah. oh so, shit okay I didn't know that. Yeah, Kurt Sutter. They're from Sean's camp. Yeah, and the guy that's doing gangland right now, or Mm -hmm. gang-related. So anyway, it says DVD extras, then it says, In the Writer's Room. Mm -hmm. And I go... Check that out. Gotta watch the (laughs) extras. It's Sean Ryan Mm -hmm. in the writer's room. I don't Mm. even know what a writer's room is. Mm. And then behind him is a cork board, just like the one you have here on the show, Mm. where it says act one, act two, act three. Mm. And then there's index cards, and I go, what the fuck is that? Mm -hmm. So I freeze frame it, (laughs) and I walk up to the TV, and I see that it's an episode broken. So I tell my wife, holy shit, look at this. (laughs) I get a legal pad, and I draw a mini cork board, and I fill squares up that he had behind Smart. him and then mm-hmm. i just asked myself what would the next episode be mm-hmm. from the last one that i just saw of this mm-hmm. box set and then i wrote that mm-hmm. and that spec script got me a job on law and order svu well, oh, you, shit. Were, in 2004 were you able job. to see oh, wow. were
0: you able to see any of those scripts back then no so I, you just went off your head or what you thought the script i would went be off done?
1: The DVD extras of The Shield. <laughs> so you never wow.
0: seen because you know because I read a lot of specs. Yeah. And and every time wow. I read it, the first thing I do is look at what they do in the show, and I could tell oh this writer hasn't read the script yet. Yeah. Because they don't do this or they don't do. I that. Was so you know green, I, mean?
1: I was so green. I was so, you know, I had that newborn mm-hmm. put food on the table. Sure. You know, I'll say this because I know a ton of people that are pursuing some uh, a, something creative mm-hmm. are listening to the show. Yeah. <clears throat> I knew it, but I didn't like, you know, you have to sometimes you just go on a string of heartbreaking defeats and misses. And there's a way to judge progress in there that you have to believe and take what I'm telling you is true. Mm -hmm. That if what you're not getting is steadily increasing, then that's progress. True. Because when it comes in, that's the level that you'd be coming in at. So even though it seems like you're not getting something, if what you're not getting is increasing, mm-hmm. you have to take that as progress. Oh shit! Interesting. Yeah.
3: Your isms, man. Is that yeah. The Mick isms, <laughs> dude. You, you can have a whole fucking, fucking write the book. That's you what have that's a fucking up. book of just <laughs> Mick isms, dude.
0: That's what's that? That's funny. And I want ten percent of that isms. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Damn.
0: Well, let's let's talk about that for a second. It's then. Insightful, man. Um, because, you know, I do movies and TV, which I'm sure you probably... Are you, have, you, have you written any features? I've are had a couple of experiences
1: with movies. They were not positive, yeah, man. It seemed like the den of iniquity. Oh, yeah, sure. it's, uh, yeah, It's, it's like the emperor has no clothes, really. I mean, TV can be like that, but, <laughs> uh-huh. food, you know, it's like, where's this money coming from? Oh, uh, southern tip of Iran. Like, <laughs> like, what? I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, but uh, don't uh, worry, the money's coming. <laughs> we're like, going to pay oh, you on payments. It's, it's, it's,
2: yeah,
0: like, Ooh, What is,
2: kind of
1: payments? Shit, yeah. <laughs> Well, let, let's
0: talk about that, because I think it's an interesting thing. Um, here's one of the things I wanted to ask you. was Now, your first... Was it Bobby Marisco? Was that your first? First staff writing job, yeah. On, um, Black Donalds. Black Donalds. Great show. Fucking love that show.
1: Um, so
0: what, what was it like for you? Were they already started, or did you come in at the beginning?
1: I came in at the beginning. Now, I had... So I booked a, a, a dramatic pilot for CBS as an actor. I played one of the heavies. I wound up meeting the co-creator of that show on set. Mm-hmm. The pilot didn't go. I followed up with this guy like six months later. I'm like, you know, man, we were talking about shows. I, I, as a comic, you know, people will come say, hey, come see my show, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, and it doesn't go very well. And then the person sure. comes off stage, and they're like, did you fucking see that, man? It was amazing. And mm-hmm. there's a real disconnect between what happened and what they think happened. Oh, okay. And so my phobia is to not be somebody that's super passionate about something that has no merit. I want to be realistic about if, if I'm that. doing something and it's shitty, I want to mm-hmm. be aware it's shitty and yeah. understand how to make it not shitty. <laughs> so I said, "Hey man, you're a, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. You're a, you clearly you sold the show shot. You know you shot the pilot, it didn't go. Can mm-hmm. I take you to lunch and tell you the idea that I have for this sh- show? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about." selling dramas or writing dramas, will you tell me if I should, if I'm being that guy that's mm-hmm. super excited about something that's shitty, or, you know, just tell, and then I'll go off, if you think it's good, I'll tell you what, I'll go off and write it, I don't want you to sell it, I don't sure. want, I just want your ear, mm-hmm. and you tell me, mm-hmm. so, at the lunch, he goes, that's fucking amazing, well, I'll go out with you on that, Wow. and I'm like, I don't even hold know hold on, Cam, hold
0: on, hold on, that doesn't happen, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> that does not happen, they does just go, really good, <laughs> write it. When you do it, send it to me. I'll take a look at it. They right, go, right, right, right.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, so you must yeah. have had a really good idea there. Yeah, I mean, and again, broke. Mm-hmm. And I've told this story on on uh, before. Hustle muscle, man. What's that?
3: When you're starving, you'll hustle your ass off. Yeah, but or? you
1: know what? Like, I didn't want to... I was starving, and I was, and I was like, "Why?" And I didn't want to call him. Mm. You know, I don't know if it was an ego thing or a shame thing. I'm like, "Fuck, this guy doesn't know me, man." Mm. I'm not gonna be that guy with my hat, my, my hand out, my hat out. You know, right, right. You, can you help sorry, me sorry, out, sorry, man? Sorry, I don't, right. I'm not good. At, I'm still not good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just saying, "Hey, can I bend your ear a little bit?" It just seems weak and petty to me, not real or not. That's just yeah. how it feels. I feel the same way about that yeah. type of shit. It's tough, show. man, to do yeah. that. So we went out. He was very cool about it, and now, you know. I'm, I'm piss broke, mm-hmm. piss broke two, you know, two weeks maybe from having a go, like mm-hmm. cheesy Hollywood story, like mm-hmm. son, my wife's like, I don't mm-hmm. fucking, I know you got dreams, but fucking, <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so we go to, uh, where to see? He? He uh, we went to the production company he had to deal with and they liked the show. Then mm-hmm. we went to Paramount mm-hmm. the, the production company he had to deal with and they liked the show. And so then we're going to go into CBS and we're going to pitch the show. And mm-hmm. I never pitch. It's all new to me, man, mm-hmm. you know? So the morning of the pitch, now for people that are listening, what happens is when you're going to go in and pitch a network, mm-hmm. you negotiate what you're going to get paid before you go in. Because nobody wants to hear something and get super excited about Mm -hmm. it and then have to negotiate Mm -hmm. because they know that they're going to be on the losing end of that. True, true, So you go Mm -hmm. in and you negotiate prior. So now I know, and I'm broke. (laughs) I got a one-year-old, pretty pissed-off wife. (laughs) (laughs) And I know what's at stake, you know? And and, uh, it was a good chunk of dough. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm trying to stay cool. I'm trying to stay calm. And Which uh, you have to split, by the way. Yeah, which you, you got to split. It in. It's a good chunk of oh, money, yeah, But yeah. And, and I don't want to you know, scream poor mouth, but like half goes to taxes, 10% goes to the agent, 5% goes to the lawyer. Mm-hmm. So you're left with, at the end of the day, probably 25% of what the original number is, mm-hmm. which is right. still awesome for sure. doing something creative sure. and doing what you love. True. So the morning of the pitch, it's at CBS Pico. Mm-hmm. We had a 94 Cavalier Hmm. Covered in rust One (laughs) hubcap Fucking you know 150,000 miles Shit was on its deathbed You know I go to get in the car It's out of gas And I'm living in the valley At the time And I'm like Oh no Hmm. All the credit cards maxed out No money Like this was it. So I go into my wife and we had already done the cushions thing Mm -hmm. where you go through and you fucking turn the sofa up and down and (laughs) go through all the pockets (laughs) in the thing. The whole thing under the bed. Mm We're done. It's done. I'm going to miss this pitch. And she goes, I think there was a credit card that I never activated, Mm. and so we start tearing the place up, and the Mm. clock's ticking to get to this pitch. (laughs) We take the file cabinet, and we start pouring the files on the floor, and we find between two files a credit card with 800 number on it. So I call, and they're like, we sent that out two years ago. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) And I'm like, listen, this is an emergency situation. I'm going to a job interview I need twenty five dollars for gas. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm asking. You got to put twenty five dollars on mm-hmm. this car. All right. So she's like, "Fine, twenty five dollars, and that's it." Damn. Go to the Shell station on Burbank and Sepulveda, mm-hmm. fill up, put twenty five in it, right. race over the hill, mm-hmm. get to uh, CBS Pico. We go in, and here's how the meeting starts. Now, this kid, Vince, wrote a movie, which eventually became Han- Hancock. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. But it was a spec called Tonight He Comes, which is like the hottest spec in town. It. It's good. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a great script. So this is how the meeting started. So it's the production company, Paramount, CBS. We're sitting there. The lady looks at Vince, and she goes, I just want to tell you that your spec script is probably one of the greatest things I've ever read. Like, better mm-hmm. than oh, fiction. Mm-hmm. Certainly I mean, Every once it in is, a while, one comes along. And yeah, yeah, and she's like, this is... Wow. And I'm sitting there going, I, I don't even... I don't even know what the fuck I, I, I did. Like, you're gonna. There's going to be an awkward pause coming up here in a second. I'm pretty sure about that. So sure enough, that's how they... And they so thank you so much for coming in. And, and this is like,
3: a spec script that you wrote from... He wrote.
1: Oh, okay. I okay. haven't written shit.
3: Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're so just they're, coming in they're, jo- they're, the jo- they're Oh, okay. Jocking, they're jocking him about okay. how great his thing was that he right. wrote that, you know, that was... Everyone read that. They wanted to be in business with him. He mm-hmm. created that other show that I yeah. acted in, and mm-hmm. so now they wanted to do business with him again, mm-hmm. and we're sitting in there and packed and all these powerful people, and so mm-hmm. everyone kind of nervously shifts towards this guy <laughs> who hasn't done And I go, well, listen, you know, I, I write Christmas cards. <laughs> so uh, they're very jovial and jolly. I don't know if you've had a chance to read any of them yet, but it's like Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad. I mean, there's a ton of... I'll just, you know, you could read that shit after I leave. <laughs> <laughs> Break the nervous <laughs> fucking of like this (laughs) great writer and then this totally unknown guy Uh and I couldn't pretend I didn't want to go the other way and be like you know guys I can send you some stuff later that you you know I didn't have it No one's going to pretend Mm -hmm. so we go in and we do the pitch thing and so we thank you know thanks for listening and so we're waiting by the elevator and the producer goes you know what let me just go in and see what uh just thank him again you know so he goes in and we're waiting by the elevator comes out and he goes hey congratulations uh I go, oh, they liked it. He goes, no, they bought it. Oh, and so I'm fun. like, then it's like someone grabbed me by the wow. throat. You know, and then you're like, all right, act like you've been here before. Act like. You've been here. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's really great news, guys. That's really, congratulations to everybody. Yeah. And so, like, I'm, like, chewing the inside of my cheek because I just <laughs> fucking, the floodgates <laughs> are starting, man. I'm just like, just don't fucking cry in front of these motherfuckers. Wow. So right, we get in the elevator. We go downstairs. I'm like, all right, now, you know, no cell phone. Mm. I don't got, you know, there's nothing. So... <laughs> Everything's been turned off, taken, repossessed. <laughs> so <laughs> I run from CBS Pico to Farmer's Market because I remember in that outdoor market, they got payphones in the back. Uh, so I call man. my wife, collect mm-hmm. at uh, the hotel she was working at, mm-hmm. front desk. And I'm like, they bought it. Can you believe uh, it? Like, you know, oh, man, it crazy. That's <laughs> amazing. Man. That's so a, that was I the first. I just love that. Yeah, That's that, a great story,
2: man.
0: Yeah, I remember oh, you talked about how even when you got um, Monster Squad, uh, Gangster Squad, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, about how you cried like a little baby yeah, about well, that. Yeah, well, you know, I mean? had
1: been, how long have I been out here? Twelve years, wow. you know, and I, I moved out here to, I always hoped that mm-hmm. I would come out and, and discover work and a career as an actor mm-hmm. and then use that to... Um, have a writing career you know Mm -hmm. and it just so happened that it was the exact opposite and i may never have an acting career but i enjoy acting and when it happens it happens like in gangster squad Mm -hmm. i went out i was in between writing gigs same thing i called my agent and i said listen when i read gangster when i read Mm -hmm. the script i said listen this is a pretty great script i Mm -hmm. said if if there's a he went that way in the script (laughs) send me out for it you know because i just would love to be a part of this movie and then they started casting for it and I said, hey, man, get me in there. Mm-hmm. And I go, I understand the call you're going to have to make because mm-hmm. I'm a producer. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to go, who's this guy? What's he been in? <laughs> Just get me in there. Because I'm not calling you on every movie. No. I feel like if I can go in and show well. So mm-hmm. I went in, I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And I got a call two and a half months later Hey, wardrobe's tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, for what? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Gangster squad. Uh-huh. I can't fucking believe it, you know? Damn. Yeah, it was I was amazing. that shit.
0: Yeah, it was love incredible. That Let me ask you one last question. Sure. Now, you've been on a lot of shows, right, as a writer and producer. What is it like? I, I think the audience needs to, I always call it the audience, <laughs> the listeners. are yeah. well, the audience? audience. Yeah. <laughs> I call it audience, it's just a habit. <laughs> the listeners need to know what it's like from working writer on hit TV shows when you come on a show that's already on. Uh-huh. What's the prep like for you? Like it's already like you came in Law and Order when sure. it's already been played. Yeah, yeah, What's the prep like for you coming on an existing show? They you sent know, me what, the last. Like? They
1: sent me a case of the last two seasons DVDs. Okay. I came mm-hmm. on season seven. Okay. So oh, they wow. sent me the last two seasons burned on DVDs mm-hmm. and then forty-four scripts. And then 44 scripts. Well, yeah, the, the 20, 20, 22 and 22 okay. of the last two. So I read, well, first I watched mm-hmm. all of them, and then I read the scripts to see what, and again, I was a baby writer. I was a staff writer. Mm-hmm. So I was totally intimidated, mm-hmm. totally like, I had no idea how intense and hardcore those fans were. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I went in, and it, was, um, it wasn't a writer's room. So there's two ways on, on dramas that, that normally works. There's a writer's room where you'll have usually an upper level writer kind of running the room. There'll be a cork board or a dry erase board. You'll break story. Then you'll beat the story out. And then mm-hmm. the story will be assigned to a writer. And you go, you write a story, area an outline, and then you'll do a writer's draft of the script. Mm-hmm. Or in where there's no writer's room, you'll have a board or a, uh, you know, a, a dry erase board or cork board in your mm-hmm. office. You'll break the story. You'll find other writers who you feel like you have a dialogue with. You'll bring them in. Pitch them that. Then, when they decide the sh- it's in good enough shape for the showrunner to hear it, you'll go get the showrunner. You'll pitch the showrunner that you're bored. Mm, okay. Then you'll go do story area out everything you normally would have done. But mm. you're, it's more you're on your own. Wow. So now, everybody who, has little offices. Everybody has their office. Out, doors are open, mm-hmm. and so you're forced. You're either snap in half from the the, the 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 weight of it, or mm-hmm. you rise to the occasion. Okay. And um, you're treated like an adult. You're treated like you're competent. And Mm -hmm. you know what you're doing until you prove otherwise. Mm -hmm. So it was a really cool environment to come in. Amanda Green um, was my mentor on that show. And she continues to be a mentor Mm -hmm. to me. Um, She was phenomenal. And and so now, I know we don't have much time, but there's another weird story like, you know, I was just happy to get a gig, man. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, I did the Black Donnellys, which was before. That was my first gig. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, it was shot in New York. It rode out here. Those guys had just won the Academy Award for mm-hmm. crap. I mean, it was insane. Mm-hmm. It was up and down. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I learned a lot, but it was very sh- sh- quick experience, you know. Mm-hmm. So now, and that was a writer's room. So now I'm in this thing where With there's, there's the top people in the world. <laughs> well, yeah, and now, but now I'm on my own. Now uh-huh. I have an, and I'm like, wow, this is the exact opposite. Like right when I thought I knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. now here's something totally different. Right. Mm-hmm. So I write the episode and they go, all right, pretty good. All right, well, you're going to New York Friday, and I go for. you know, I'm thinking <laughs> for what, you know? And they're like, well, you all the writers produce their episodes. If you have any questions, call us. You know, the actors <laughs> might have questions on the script. If you feel like you can't, and I'm like, all right. So I go home I'm like. Now, at this point, I have a two-bedroom mm-hmm. apartment on Sepulveda and Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Same one that when I sold the thing. I'm still living there. You're supposed to and keep it simple a minute. I had a little, form. tiny yeah. corner desk. And right. I remember going home going, I wrote that script on that little fucking corner desk. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going yeah. to New York, man. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to be crazy. So now I'm starting to spin, right? I'm like, I'm going to New York, man. This, mm-hmm. I've been to New York once with my... Was then fiance now my wife. Like mm-hmm. the buildings shoot out into the sky. Everything's yeah. fucking giant. Like you know, shut down pieces of Times mm-hmm. Square for this thing mm-hmm. that I wrote on that mm-hmm. little goddamn desk right mm-hmm. there. You know, That's like crazy. I'm gonna fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fuck this up, man. So the car comes. It's like a black town car. And I'm like, oh, holy shit, shit man. I this go is big in budget, thing. Jack. <laughs> I go in and uh, I get my ticket and mm-hmm. I'm like, cool, man. And I I, uh, I walk into the plane and I'm like, I can't. Find my seat, you know. I'm like in the back of the plane. They're like, You're you, you're in first class. You didn't like, even oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. So I'm like, Fuck. So That's I part of the right of <laughs> the
0: contract, by the way. So
1: if it's over three hours, yeah. <laughs> if the flight's over oh, three hours, wow. you get first class. So That's cool. I've, I've, I'm like, Wow, this is amazing. If I get off, then there's another guy, he's mm-hmm. got my name on there, and we go to this really nice hotel. And I'm like, Fuck. So, and I'm just obsessing, like, What am I going to do? What are they going to ask me? You no, know, let you me just, just can't, ask you, did yeah. you?
0: Were you? Did you not produce on uh, or, or no, produce an episode a, on? No,
1: it was in uh, New York. They didn't. They wanted because it was a oh. new show. Well, we need to all, let people know. Yeah, yeah. Some people don't know. They the want it all it hands on deck because you were saying, What's the difference between a new yeah. show and an established show? In an established mm-hmm. show, you tend to understand kind of what the workloads You sure. found the voice of the show. Mm-hmm. Some writers can leave the room because mm-hmm. you're not struggling and kind of nail everything down mm-hmm. for what the world is, what everyone's doing, and all that. And,
0: and not every show, you you actually go on the set. No, some shows, really.
1: yeah. I mean, I've been on shows where you don't go and, you know, they have yeah. a writer producer that just stays on set. That's what okay. they do as opposed to the writer of mm-hmm. each episode going and producing. Mm-hmm. So. Now I'm in New York and I'm like in this nice hotel and Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I'm way fucking odd. And then then the other side is like, well, you know, not to get cheesy here, but, Mm -hmm. you know, God wouldn't put you in a position to, you know, give you something you can't handle. Like you should, you're supposed to be here. And then I'm like, the fuck I'm not. This is a lesson. <laughs> to to for, to tell myself, don't ever put your hand in a cookie jar again. Mm. Like this is a punishment to get you a taste <laughs> of shit to prove how inadequate you are, so that you singer. never fuck around again. Like an this yeah. negative thinking, positive thinking, negative thinking, positive thinking. So I'm a spinning, and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta just fucking go to bed. Mm-hmm. That's all I gotta do. I gotta mm-hmm. stop this insane thinking that's going on. And it was like just not like the sun had just gone down. It was nine o'clock, and I'm like, man, God, come on, just let me go to sleep. I'm on set tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I want to go and open my. Please. And I'm just staring at the ceiling. The ceiling just starts to glow red. Hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? Then white. (laughs) Then blue. And I look out my window... And I look at the Hudson River, mm-hmm. and there's a giant barge on the Hudson River shooting up fireworks. And oh, I had shit. totally <laughs> forgotten that it was the 4th of July. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Just, I was <laughs> so mm-hmm. in my head, man. Oh, and shit. so I just sat in this dark room oh, watching yeah. these fireworks go off going, man, I just got to let all this go and let it be what it's supposed to be. Sure. And when right. I don't know something, I say, hey, you know what? I don't know. Let me mm-hmm. call L.A. Right here's my two cents. This is what I think having written this. This is what I like. Mm -hmm. This is what I thought should happen here. And I don't need to know everything. Mm -hmm. And that I am a staff writer and Mm -hmm. it's okay to be at the level that I'm at. Learn Mm -hmm. there. And then when I'm ready to go to the next level, go, but not have everyone think, oh, you're a staff writer? You should be a showrunner. That's not, only my head was telling me that, you know. Right. So that was just a cool like moment of clarity for me. (laughs) That's (laughs)
0: cool, man.
1: That's a great story. We we should
0: end it on that story. That was a (laughs) badass story. That's what's up. Well, look, Thank you so yeah. much, Meg. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, I know Kev is appreciative of it, yeah, too. Man. Uh, yeah, man. Lisa, yeah, well, who isn't here, I'm sure she would love to, to have been here. And we have to get you back when you have something Oh, else. for sure, yeah. I
1: um, an
3: episode.
0: So man. thank you again for being here. My pleasure. Um where can they find you? Where are you at?
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Betancourt, M I C K B E T A N C O U R T. You can go to MickBettencourt.com. It's got the podcast on there. You mm-hmm. can stream it. I got an old school '80s boombox that I designed, which was fucking great. And um, you can subscribe to a newsletter, which uh, I'll only email you out of some shits going on. But I'm working yeah. on a book, and I'm gonna. If you subscribe actually to the newsletter, I'm emailing out pages of the book to the oh. people that subscribe. Oh, shit. And if you got ideas on it. If you you know if it moves you one way or another, I'm always open to criticism. It's cool, man. Dude, you were just,
0: this amazing. I'm just, right. just gushing, still gushing at the end of it. Ain't that a bitch? Damn. Where you at, Kev? Where can they find you? He he already did it ten times today, though. Where can they find you? you?
3: Follow me on Twitter at Kev hates hip hop. No Kevin, just Kev hates hip hop. Instagram Kevin hates hip hop, and then you know my podcast Kevin hates hip hop on iTunes and Stitcher.
0: That's what's up. So. Nice. And I am Hilliard Guest. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Hilliard Guess And definitely look us up on um, uh, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com if you guys have any questions or anything. If you want to hit us up. And um, please, as Mick always says, everybody, go on iTunes, give us a five star review because we need that. That's what's up. So, again, thank you guys again. This has been a fucking yeah. awesome Freaking definitely, episode. <laughs> I'm so grateful that you came, Mick. It's really important to me. Um, and so with that, keep it street, keep it opinionated, and keep it what you guys. One hundred,
2: <laughs> peace, y'all. Yeah, man, I got something to get off my chest.
0: Everyone got one. What's <laughs> your opinion? This is the rant room. Tons won't be bitten. Ain't no rules. Just spill it, and anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. you tuning into the thrillers, and no, ain't no stopping. Any topic, even the random random. I hope that you ready, we entering in the zone
3: soon
2: We only grown shit, welcome to the random That's it, that's all I got to say